Today's episode is brought to you by Create Engage, the specialist digital marketing agency for the disruptive management consultancy. Now, for long-time listeners, you will probably already know who we are. You may have even heard one of our ads on a previous episode of this podcast. But for those of you who don't, here is a short introduction. At Create Engage, we help you create an effective marketing strategy for your consultancy, a strategy that will resonate with your target clients. And then we support you by delivering the campaigns you need to turn that strategy into a reality, helping you to build your brand, raise your profile with your prospective clients, and ultimately generate return on investment from your marketing activity. Now, I could tell you about many of the great clients that we work with and the results we've delivered for them. But instead, I'm going to do something much more powerful and something that I would recommend you do for your own marketing. I'm going to let our clients do the talking for us. If you are currently thinking about marketing for your consultancy, you're going to want to listen to this. Create Engage started the process for us. They managed it end to end. They came up with some really creative ideas and we were really happy with the work that they did, which meant that we could just focus on running the business. Not only did we start conversations with clients that we hadn't spoken to before, but also there was tangible return on investment by some work that we were given. They've helped right from the initial shaping of the idea through to helping us work out what our end goal was. They've supported us with the visual identity and our positioning of the brand. We've had an immediate expansion of our network and, and have initiated a raft of new conversations with owners, CEOs in, in target client organisations and has led to us winning new projects already. One of the greatest compliments, I guess, is that one of our competitors even said that uh, they really like what we're doing with marketing. They wish they could be doing something as good. So from our perspective, we couldn't recommend Create Engage any more than this. I would certainly recommend Create Engage if you're a consulting firm. They really understand consultancies and the sort of challenges we face. And, uh, you know, I don't think you're going to get much better marketing anywhere else. So I wouldn't hesitate to recommend Create Engage. They did a really good job for us. So if you're looking for an agency that can help you achieve the results that our clients just described, then head to our website createengage.co.uk where you can find out more about how we support consulting firms like you. You can download our latest ebook and you can get in touch to talk about how we can help you take your consultancy to the next level through digital marketing. Hi and welcome to Climbing Consulting. Now before going on to the introduction for today's episode, I thought I'd just pause because I've had some listener feedback asking, Nick, where have the interviews gone? Love the interviews. When are we getting them back? The good news is they are coming. I've got some great guests lined up, guests from big consulting firms, guests who have worked all over the world, guests everywhere in between. I'm really excited to share those interviews with you. But I thought I'd just share some good news for myself and my family and also explain where I have been because actually the last few months I have been off. I have been on paternity leave because we welcomed our son Josh to the world on the 11th of December. So just prior to that I was frantically getting ready to go off and awaiting his arrival and since then we have been at home getting used to life as a family. So I'm now on my way back and one thing that you may have noticed is, as a result, some of the podcasts, we've been doing something that we talk a lot about, creating engagement, repurposing great content. Now, 
would I have shared those podcast episodes and the series that you've just listened to over the last few episodes anyway? I think yes, because it was great content. We got some great feedback on it. And I know the people who joined those live sessions really valued what Derry and Rob and myself had to say. But I just thought I'd share that because obviously if one person has said, Nick, where's the interviews? I suspect others are thinking it. So that's where the interviews are coming back. I've got some great guests, as I said, but I've been off for a few months. Now back to today's episode. So today is actually following on from the webinar series, but I think more importantly is answering questions that we are getting from our clients and from other consulting firms that are talking about marketing. Obviously, we work with a whole range of firms and we speak to even more who are thinking about marketing, trying to understand how to tackle marketing in today's world. And so today I wanted to try something different and I'd really love your feedback on whether this is a useful format and something you're interested in or whether you just want us to stick to those interviews. You will know at Create Engage we're big believers that your marketing should revolve around two things, sharing your expertise and showcasing your experience, both as the partners and also for your team. So to practice what we preach and to give you some hugely valuable insights into what is working for consultancies like you when it comes to marketing, I decided that today would be the day to record this episode. In this one, I am joined by my colleague, Dan Gibson, account director here at Create Engage. And we discuss, and he shares the answers to the big questions that his clients are asking him and the team right now when it comes to marketing in today's hybrid world, something we've all heard about. In this one, we cover some really interesting topics and the ones that are probably top of your mind when thinking about marketing, because these are the ones that people are asking us about day in, day out. We cover whether you should still be doing webinars for your consultancy and the secrets to success for getting the attendees you want for the sessions you're running. We dig into how to make the most of your live events and what you can do to turn those one-off breakfasts and lunches and networking dinners that you're starting to organize into months of digital content. And we look at how to bring all of that together so that you can ensure that you're ultimately achieving the return on investment and the results that you want. And equally importantly, making the most of your team's valuable time and your own resources. And we look at how to bring all of that together to ensure that you are getting the return on investment that you want from your marketing and making the most of your team's time and capacity. If you're anything like our clients, I expect you'll be wanting the answers to these questions. I imagine these are the things that you're wrestling with when you're talking about marketing for your firm. And so for that reason, we recorded this episode. And for that reason, I think you're going to love it. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Dan Gibson. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So something a little different. I know we've talked a lot about this internally. Obviously, uh, last few episodes of Climbing Consulting, we've focused on the webinar series I did with Derry and with Rob. And obviously, the question we get from all of our clients is, what should we be doing? You know, the last session was around hybrid marketing. What are we doing in a changing world? Now, I thought this would be a great chance to get you on because you're working day in, day out with these clients. So when I'm giving these examples... These are from real clients, clients you're working with. And I just thought it'd be really useful for our listeners who are, who are focused on marketing, thinking about that for their consultancy to, to hear what's actually working here right now, what we're doing with clients that they can think about for their own consultancy. So before we dive in though, just because I'm conscious not everyone listening will, will have met you before, mate, can you just give a bit of background on, on who you are, what you do at Create Engage, some of the clients, some of the sort of things you're working on? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm um, firstly, good to be here. I've listened to many, many episodes. It's good to finally be 
finally be a guest at last. But for those who don't know me, some people listening will have worked with me directly. For those who don't or haven't, I'm an account director here at Create Engage. So work across a range of clients, helping shape digital marketing strategy and delivery. Before here, I was working for agencies, mainly in London, on a range of brands, everything from big booze brand sponsorships of sports events through to financial services, global campaign things. So a real range, but have been now been at Create Engage for coming up to two years. It's gone quickly. Which is two thirds of its life. Uh, so not quite there yet. So yeah, good to be here. Well, I think this will, I'm just trying to think when this will go out actually. I think this is going to go out a week before our third birthday. So that is coming. Watch out. If you're listening to this, you will see more about that on LinkedIn. And so why don't we just dive in? And I think we've got a few things we want, we, you, know, you and I have talked about wanting to cover. And, and this is very much from things that our clients are asking us and, and firms that we're speaking to are asking us. And I, I think the obvious place to start is is the webinar, because you know, I was very public before COVID of saying webinars are a waste of time. No one goes to them. And it was something actually, I remember sort of the the first month or so of COVID where we very quickly changed that. And since then, they've been been phenomenal. I'd be really interested in your thoughts because I'm hearing a lot of people, and I'm sure you get the same from clients around, well, are they still relevant? Should we still be doing them? What are you seeing? Is is it something you're still doing with your clients? Is it something actually you're moving away from? Sort of, what are you seeing work? Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. And you're right, lots of clients are kind of in that place at the moment as we're, you know, touch wood coming out of, of, of COVID, is kind of analyzing what they've done during COVID and and kind of think about is it still going to work as things return you know slowly back to normal i think webinars is, is at the top of that list because that was the thing that a lot of clients replaced their physical events with 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 webinars and obviously now that the, the options there to go back to physical event uh, physical events clients are starting to think about is that right do we stick with webinars and i think what we're seeing and what i'm working with clients on is actually it's not on or off with webinars it's a shift of how they work alongside other marketing activities. So broadly speaking, it's shifting towards a more quality over quantity type approach for webinars. So whereas previously during COVID, we were saying one a month, let's hit that drum beat, let's keep people engaged. There's a bit of a general fatigue around online events at the moment. Not as drastic as a lot of people are saying, but I do feel that there is a trend towards um, getting back out there, as it were. So what we're seeing now is actually a shift from sort of monthly webinars to more of a quarterly cadence and a quarterly drumbeat and a focus on spending the time getting the right guests on or choosing the right topic. So it's it's being more selective about what those webinars are and who appears on them and then actually promoting them in the right way. So I think that that's quite a significant shift in, in what we're seeing. And I think actually a lot of clients I've spoken to about that, I breathe a sigh of relief when I say that because they still feel like, they're failing if they're not doing monthly webinars. And actually, that's probably not the case anymore. It's more about taking the time, being a bit more strategic with it and real quality over quantity. And that can be anything from selection of guests to really working on what those topics are going to be. So rather than doing webinars for webinars' sake, it's planning for when there's going to be a really topical moment in your industry or in your sector that you want to be present at or present in from a webinar perspective and planning those moments around it. So that's the kind of real shift that we're seeing. How does that balance? Because obviously you work with a range of clients. Some are really, they have, you know, we've got public sector clients where what they do is really topical and actually, you know, there's a new announcement from the government that they can jump on straight away and sort of, you know, that newsjacking style. We have other clients where what they do is, I guess, more tried and true. So it might be delivering change where that doesn't change overnight how do you approach that for our clients where 
I, you know, someone might listen to this and think, there's no new event in our industry. What do I talk about? What, what do you do there where it's more, I guess, methodology-led or approach-led than it is sort of news or current affairs-led? Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. And actually, I think it comes back to picking the right moment for you and when you want and your audience. So, for example, the client that you're referring to there, they're in a period at the moment where actually what they do and what they work with work on with their clients is incredibly topical because it, there are new announcements being released by the government every month, every week, you know, even every day. And actually, they're in a cadence at the moment of two webinars a month, which is more than we've ever done. But now is the right time for them to be doing that. It might not be in six months' time. It might be back to quarterly. And I think that's there's such a drastic difference there because now is their moment. Whereas, you know, another client that I work on, their moment was kind of the last quarter of last year. And actually, they spent their time getting a really high-profile guest on and promoting it in the right way and actually focusing their efforts into that gave them 250 registrations for that webinar as opposed to sort of the 50, 60 they were getting on a monthly basis. So that was kind of that shift from quantity into quality and putting that effort into it. I think to your other point about that stuff that's always going to be relevant as opposed to the newsjacking approach, I think, again, it's kind of finding where you can make those relevant to people. So if it's a calendar moment in your sector that is going to make what you do particularly relevant at a particular time of year. It's identifying that and building up to it, or it's finding the right person to bring on to make what you do different and unique and stand out at that time. So that would be kind of, if it's not super relevant and what you do on its own is going to be interesting enough to get people there, it's finding the right guest to bring on a bit more strategic around those topics and really digging into that a little bit more. So spending the time to structure that webinar in the right way rather than doing it for the sake of doing it, I think is how I kind of balance those two things, but also spotting when that needs to shift. So like the client that we were talking about earlier, if in six months time, we know there's going to be something particularly relevant, we might want to plan to be doing more webinars or more things around that. So it's it's kind of having that regular drumbeat in mind, but having the flexibility to to ramp it up or down when we feel like there's a particular thing that we would do want to jump on. So again, I don't think it's necessarily one or the other. I think it's a balance of the two at the right time and just making sure. I think what we want to avoid is not doing anything. <laughs> and I think there's that kind of on or off is quite a dangerous approach for it is our webinars working? Yes, no. I don't think it's ever going to be the case. It's going to be at what stage do you lean into webinars more than you lean into another thing that's working for you at that time? And we'll probably come on to it at some stage that that's true of all activity across all channels, but particularly webinars at the moment, I think. To that point around the one thing you shouldn't do is not do it. I And you touched on a couple of things just to, I guess, tease out, because we do have quite a bit to cover. So I, I'm keen not to just do a whole session of webinars, although we could. Yeah, I speak to firms who are, who are interested in doing more digital marketing and and you know, some roll their eyes, everyone's doing a webinar, some, you know, worry about it in terms of if you don't have a, a film studio or a, you, know, you mentioned big guest. And I think sometimes that make, makes people think of a film star or, you know, David Beckham or who, whoever it is. David Beckham's probably a terribly old reference now. But just on those two points, you mentioned around having a good guest and also you, you touched on numbers. And I think, you know, ultimately what we do ties back to delivering return on investment. You know, no one that we work with is just doing it for fun. They're doing it to get a return, to get that value from their marketing. I'd just be interested in those two pieces around what does a good guest look like, just to dispel some of those myths maybe around it needing to be a, a superstar. And also just that point on the ROI side, you know, what are you seeing from your clients? What are some of those results and, and how's that helping their businesses? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really good point, actually. I think you're right. People get scared off when you say big guest because they think big guest comes with big money and then it, the kind of conversation stops there because nobody feels like they've got the network to do that. I think for me, a good guest, there's two different ways that I've been approaching webinars with clients. One is that more one-to-one -one sort of 
fireside chat, I suppose. And that's where you kind of can lean into what say big guest, let's say industry leader or industry kind of expert. And I guess just to help people, that could be clients. Like a lot of the ones yeah. you've run, they're clients of the organization as opposed to a sort of someone they've booked through a speaker agency. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But I think more importantly is what makes a good guest when they're not, you know, a, a senior existing client or an industry leader. And actually it's people that bring different perspectives to a single topic. So one that we, uh, a client we're working with at the moment are getting real success with sort of panel webinars and no guest in their own right, you know, hopefully I won't be offending anyone by saying this, no guest in their own right is going to draw a crowd of a thousand, but spending time to pick the right topic and select the right guest to each bring a different perspective to that single topic makes for a very interesting conversation and being able to market the different perspectives to different audiences also makes it very relevant. And that can just be different regions. So geographically, people are coming at a single topic differently. It could be different levels within a business. So one topic might be, you know, the, the topic might be relevant to everyone, but that could be very different from how a junior person in an organization looks at it versus the top person at an organization looks at it. And it, I guess that's what I mean by being a bit more selective, a bit more strategic about selecting the topic as well as the guests, because you can really find what is that pain point or that issue that is going to draw people and then you can select guests to each bring a different perspective and a different point of view on that single topic and generate a really good conversation and actually as a host you know if anyone listening to this is thinking about hosting a webinar but has never done one before the host job then becomes you know i've never done it so i won't say but quite easy because all you need to do is kind of set things up and let people talk because usually people that come on these webinars want to talk they want to promote either themselves or their organization and it's just a case of prompting that and nudging that conversation along. And I guess going back to what you were originally talking about in terms of what makes a guest, it's, it's people that want to talk, people that have a unique perspective. And as a selection of guests, it's making sure that people bring that different perspective. No one wants to just hear everyone agreeing with each other for, for an hour. So I'll make sure I disagree with you at something. At something <laughs> on the, so it's not a webinar, mate, yeah. but no, I, I know exactly what you mean. And, and that last point, and you know, probably just a nice bit, one to close us off on, on webinars and anything else, just that last point around that return on investment. Because obviously, you know, someone will be listening to this thing, Dan, that's really nice. I can get some friends to come and chat, but what's the point? It's a bit, you know, I'm busy. Why would I waste my time doing that? You know, what, what actually are those results you're seeing and your clients are getting from these sessions? Yeah. And I think, again, success is relative from these sessions to all clients, but I think ultimately what people are getting is we'll go through the funnel. So, registrations is about a 50% conversion to attendees. And I think that's that's what I would consider good. Everything over that is great. From attendees, let's say 10 to 20% of those attendees are, it's going to get not offending anyone, but qualified leads essentially. So worth reaching out to or following up with as a potential business opportunity or, or partnership. And I'd say from that, then maybe another 5 10% of those may convert. So from a webinar of, let's say 200, 100 attend, you reach out to 10 or 20 and I think even if between one to five of those progress any further than that, then you're in the door and that's worth a conversation. And then if one of those converts to a project, it's all worth it. So I'd look at it as that funnel. You're never going to get all registrations to, you know, everyone that registers for a webinar isn't going to become a potential client. So I'd just look at that as that sort of funnel and then work out what your own measures of, of success are against that, which hopefully answers the question. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think like you say, puts it in that perspective of actually if one webinar leads to one client at the end whether that's one month three months six months however far down the line that really puts it into perspective and yeah. what is actually quite a you know, cheap to run session you know you need a zoom subscription for what is it 60 70 quid a month yeah. you need a guest and actually 
the rest is yeah, inverted commas free, isn't it? Yeah. I'll just have one thing to that as well, which is, and again, it kind of comes back to the point of it's not on or off. They need to be regular and you can decide what you're comfortable, you know, what regular means to you if it's monthly, monthly, quarterly. It's spotting the people that come to each one because there's, or, or more than one or multiple, because those are then the people that go to the top of that list of, of potential people to reach out to. And again, makes your sales process a bit more efficient when you're looking to, from this list of, you know, 600 people who have come to webinars this year. Where do I start? It's not just the people that have, you know, come to a webinar, start with the people that have come to multiple and, you know, that, that conversation will be easier and, and kind of hopefully get a better conversation rate. Yeah, re- really good point. And funnily enough, for the series that has just been repurposed on climbing consulting, that's exactly what we did. So Derry from Honeycomb had a very fancy spreadsheet that basically did that for you across attendees. And, and I think to your point, suddenly you're seeing those trends and that means, yeah, you can spot the people to reach out to and also the people who warm up because someone who attends one in January, you know, January 2021 may not have needed you, but now they've attended three Q4 2021 worth of chat. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm keen to move us on to something that obviously a lot of people are asking us about. And, and you touched on a bit earlier when you said that people are, are kind of wanting to get back to seeing humans face to face, wanting to get together. Obviously, you know, we're together today in the office, which is something we haven't been able to do for the last year or so. And that is actually the physical events. And so I'm really interested because I'm hearing more people ask me, you know, Nick, what do we do with a physical event? We're looking at running breakfast again, dinners, lunches, all of those sort of things. And I think prior to COVID, they'd kind of been overlooked from a digital perspective. And I guess, what are you hearing? Because, you know, the alternative view to a webinar might be, well, why waste my time with that when I can get 30 people in a room? And I'd, I'd just love to hear what you're seeing with clients and, and also how people are spotting opportunities or what people can do if they want to really get value from them on a digital perspective. Yeah, again, it's a really big topic at the moment. And a lot of clients are asking about it. And again, I think it's that it's not on or off. And people, I think we're, as much as our, you know, we've said it for, for a year that digital is the way to go as opposed to physical events. And I think long term it is. But I think we'd be naive to think that clients aren't going to just dip their toe back in the water and just make sure that the things that were working for them before COVID aren't going to work now. And who's to say it won't? It, it may well do. But I think what we're seeing and what I'm working with clients on is how to leverage those physical events for digital success. So again, I think it's spotting the opportunities where you may have the people in you know, making making the most of those physical moments. And an example to kind of bring it to life a little bit is people are going to have those sessions where you get a panel, a live panel, dinner, you know, whatever it might be, they're going to happen. But rather than looking at them as a physical only event, it's spotting the opportunities to leverage those for digital. So why not get in someone to come and you know set up a two very two simple cameras, record the you know at the very basic record the event and put it online as a session to watch further down the line. A step further than that is why not live stream that event to an online audience? So the people in the room can be your very close contacts, close clients, and it could be quite an exclusive in-person event. But why not then live stream that to a broader audience and a broader network or, you know, and promote it as you have previously done a webinar during COVID? Sign up in the same way, live stream to Zoom. And you're kind of using that physical event and that physical moment online to make sure that you're not deserting the audience that you've built up online over the last you know, two years or whatever it is, because I think a lot of clients have put effort into that and have got over maybe that hurdle of is digital right for me and are probably at the stage where it is. But it's now balancing, you know, it's that hybrid, classic hybrid sort of cliche at the moment, which is how do we balance that new normal with the old normal? And I think something like a live stream of a physical event online is a very good way to go. But even if it's 
making sure you've got a photographer at the event to capture, you know, candid conversations or, you know, speakers to then use online as part of your, you know, LinkedIn graphics. Those little things, those little kind of opportunities are really, really important. And I think just bring the two worlds together. And again, it's not that on or off. It's not, should I be physical? Should I be digital? It's doing both and also spotting the right opportunities to bring them together. There's lots of things you can do. So that's that's one way to go. I think that gives, like you say, quite a balanced view. And it is that sort of doing those things together. I think you've touched on some there, I guess. Are there any that if someone's listening and thinking, you know, I've, I've got a certain amount of budget I can put towards this. Yeah, that you would be saying maybe start with that or go for you know that over something else. Are you seeing a trend with clients to your conversations of, you know, is it breakfast that they're leaning to? Is it dinners and, and actually how to bring all of that together to make the most of it digitally as well? Yeah. So I think there's two examples that I'd use. One is networking drinks events. They're not going to be right to live stream a networking drink event. You know, I know millions of people watched a live stream of planes landing at Heathrow during the storm, but it's not going to land when you're just live streaming. That was and- the voiceover, wasn't it? That was the main, <laughs> yeah, the main yeah, sell. Yeah. It's not going to land when it's a, a, you know, you're just live streaming a networking event. But if you don't have photography there, capturing people having fun, culture, and we'll, you know, we, we may well come on to how you can use those a little bit later because there's, there's ways that particularly those sort of social events are promoting sort of company culture. That's really important again. So we may touch on that, but making sure you've got those photographers there or a videographer there to create an asset, a digital asset out of those physical in-person events that are more those networking drinks. That's a really simple, easy, low budget thing to do right through to those you know, let's let's say formal dinners where you have a speaker and then a dinner. That's where you want to be thinking about recording the whole session, live streaming, because more often than not, you're going to have someone there that has something interesting to say, be that an industry leader, be that you as someone that runs a firm that wants to talk, you know, about topical things at the moment, a recent report that you've, you're launching or you've done. Those are the moments to start leaning into, do we live stream this whole, this whole talk or record this talk and use it later on for, you know, chop it up into videos for LinkedIn. Those are the two things. Or even if it's, like like we're doing now, we're in person, we're recording audio for a podcast. If you as a business owner launched a podcast during lockdown or during COVID, don't neglect it now because everyone's rushing back into live events. It's just record the audio from a you know a, a keynote speaker at an event and use that audio as your next podcast episode. It can be, you know, you're probably subscribed to podcasts where they do special featured live events, you know, sort of audio episodes and they work really well. So yeah, those are a couple of ways that you could you could do that right from just taking photos and using them online to you know, videoing and repurposing and, and whatever else. I think they're really good as well because I, I think one of the things, and I know I see this and I'm sure sure you get it when you speak to people, is that there is that concern that doing the things you've talked about, there's a huge cost and it. You know, you've got to, when you hear about videographers, and you, you've got to hire in a big team to do this. And I think your point around use what you've got actually a, a really good one. You know, I think your phone, and I, I say this to everyone I speak to, you, nowadays your, your iPhone 13, I mean, we, I know we've both now got them, so we're, we're a bit nerdy about them, but, but that shoots in 4K. And you know, that that's, I say, as good as a film crew, at shoot at talking head videos, you know, with a audience backdrop, you don't need anything else. Uh, also, it comes down to where you're going to use it. So I imagine the most people listening are going to use these videos either on YouTube or on LinkedIn as videos. And um, iPhone 13 is perfectly good quality. Like, unless you're planning to make a TV ad from your speech, which I, again, don't want to offend anyone, but I assume nobody listening is planning on doing that. You don't need a film crew. We, we don't recommend that just yeah, as a... Well, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no need to really kind of overthink it from that perspective. Yeah. You know, iPhone 13 will be absolutely fine. 
or 12 or whatever you've got you know anything <laughs> well, at, from at some eight point, upwards at, at some yeah. point yeah it, it stops your old uh, my old samsung flip phone from when i was a kid probably not but I, I i know exactly what you mean and actually you know something and this was something clients of ours were doing pre-covid and, and i think your point around the podcast just because it, it sort of sprung to mind is a really good example of if you are a speaker, so one of our clients, Stephen over at Numeritas, Stephen Aldridge runs a podcast called The Forward Thinking CFO, highly recommend listening. But before he started that, he was doing a number of talks pre-COVID. And actually he has, and you can get them on Amazon, and I'm sure we can stick the link in the show notes, you can get a lav mic that basically plugs into your phone. And so what he would do is he'd just, in effect, wire himself up. You know, he'd put his lav mic onto his shirt. And again, anyone listening here, if you're going sort of, you know, business casual, you've got a shirt on, pop a lav mic sort of on your lapel, press record on your iPhone, and suddenly you've got the whole recording of that talk, which, you know, we've helped clients turn those into blogs, turn them into, you know, podcast episodes. Like I said, there's so much you can do with them. Actually, the cost is very minimal. I think the other one, and James Mitchell over at JBM, if you go and listen to his podcast, 40 Minute Mentor, he's got a few episodes like this where actually the whole event was based around a podcast recording. So like you said, if you've got a speaker it's very easy to plug a recording device into the the sort of PA setup or because I think, and this is something that I think has changed post COVID like podcast live recordings have genuinely become a thing. Like, I was just about to say that. <laughs> it's just, just about to say that if you've got a podcast that already exists, do a live version of it and actually get your next guest in front of, you know, on a stage in front of a group of people and record your episode that way. It's just as good. I wanted to touch on it just because you mentioned it earlier around the sort of thinking about the type of event and actually what you were saying around the webinar attendees. I think that's where sort of bringing all this together, and I, I want to touch on that sort of how do you bring it all together in a moment, but as a great example of sort of pre-COVID, just an event was a de facto, you know, yeah, let's just invite some people. But very often if you're paying, I don't know, 30, 50, 100 quid a head, that's quite an expensive way of just you know random marketing whereas if you can target those people so if you've run your webinar series and you've got 10 people have attended five of them why not now invite them to your dinner because they're going to be the ones that buy like i always remember going to a rugby event with a previous company and there were like three people around the table who were never going to buy that's a lot of money to spend on people you're not sure of whereas if you can get them pre-qualified like you say get them down the funnel actually that next step where they meet you in person is a great way to cement that and I think that's something that bringing those two worlds together can really help and also expand your reach because you know, we say this based in Bath, not everyone's in London. And so if you're trying to work with a client in, I don't know, Newcastle, you've got to be pretty sure they're going to work with you if you're going to bring them down to London for breakfast. So just a, a side point, but I think you know, that, that whole piece of actually thinking about the event strategy is really key. I want to bring us on to, because I, I think it brings all of this together, the kind of how do you do this sensibly? Because as we both know, challenge marketing, people hear these tactics, like do a webinar, do an event, and that on its own can do something. But we've both spoken to lots of consultancies who get frustrated because they've tried that. You know, it's the kind of, I've been to the gym once, I'm not yet Arnold Schwarzenegger, what am I doing wrong? And I think that's the probably the last piece that obviously is evolving with with the sort of hybrid world. But how do you tackle that with your clients? Because our clients are consulting firms, they're busy people, they're working on projects, all of the things we know. Actually, how do you help them sort of structure these so that it's not just a random webinar in January, a random event in, in March, and kind of by the end of it, they're like, okay, well, that was great, but what, what does it all do? How do you bring that all together? It can be hard because I think, you know, particularly when you're, you're starting a sort of early relationship with a client and, you know, there's ideas flying around, the temptation can be, to, let's do everything, let's, you know, I've got this great idea, let's go for it. And actually, that's great. 
for a bit, but it's a kind of bright spark and then it's kind of, you know, it, it fades. And I think for me, the way I look at all of these things is particularly at the start, I'd rather do less stuff better and then build on top of that based on proper learnings from what's working and what's not. And I think that can be everything from, you know, making sure that your LinkedIn posts are driving through to your website. You've got a space on your website to capture data to then download, which then feeds into your you know, email database who then you can send your email to and that consistently grows and we'll kind of come on to a few little ways about how you can do that. So yeah, I think, I think the main thing for me is that we need to stop looking at things in silo. This is like a marketing ecosystem. Everything needs to work together. So looking at what channels you have and working out how they link, what, how do they feed each other? Is that data passing from your newsletter through to your CRM system? Are people that are clicking on a LinkedIn post going to your website where they can read something more? And I think that kind of customer journey should be at the center of everything that you're you're doing from a marketing perspective and i think doing that effectively is is kind of where we're seeing real success for for our clients so rather than doing lots and lots and lots think about what's really working and and kind of put all your chips into into that and i think that also that comes from kind of reporting as well so you know where i've seen the most success of our clients is that drumbeat it's a cadence it's agreeing a drumbeat and a cadence that is that matches effectiveness with capacity on the client side so like we say what we do does require you know, our clients to have a, an input into what that marketing activity looks like. So it could be you know, writing a first draft of a blog or coming up with a few topics to include in a newsletter. Now, that's not always the case, but it can be. And I think balancing that with delivering results is kind of where we're seeing the most kind of success. On that point, I think it'd be really useful to maybe just elaborate a little bit around why that drumbeat and, and how it leads to success. Because I, you know, if I put myself back as a, when I was working in consulting, you know, I, I'd be slightly cynical, particularly you know, we're here as a marketing agency saying, let's do a drumbeat. And some people might just say, oh, well, of course you want to do a drumbeat because that's late. You know, you, you know what's coming. It's a bit lazy. You can you know, do it 10 months ahead of time. Could you just elaborate on why that works and delivers results for the clients? Because I think that's the key thing, you know, that if I was the listener, I'd be wondering of why does this help me both manage my team's capacity, but most importantly, why does this deliver results for us? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think actually this, it's an interesting point because I think people get scared by just doing the basics well. They feel like it's not enough. But actually, that's the most effective activity is that regular, recognizable content that is a kind of drip fed to your audience at a time when they expect it, when you know it's working because you can see the the kind of engagement on it. There is no pressure especially initially to do these big all singing all dancing campaigns because actually a lot of clients don't know whether that's going to work for them and actually stripping that right back to this kind of comfortable drumbeat of activity that allows you as a client to put the effort into it that you want to and doesn't feel rushed your side balancing that with effective reporting so that you have that loop of is what i'm doing right and starting slow starting regular and working backwards from an overall objective I should point out as well is that what are you trying to achieve with your marketing? If it's leads, there's particular activity that leans into that. If it's kind of just general awareness within a, 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 an industry, there's activity that's linked with that. But don't be scared of stripping things back and testing and learning and building up from there. Going from no marketing to a fully you know, multi-channel presence is never going to happen overnight. It's really identifying what are those kind of areas that you want to be present in. So that could be kind of thinking about your audience. Where do they spend their time online, where are they most receptive and focusing efforts on that. And then actually just pulling out real success stories and focusing in future activities on the things that are driving the most success for you and building up from there. A plan will naturally, 
will, will naturally kind of become apparent. And that's why with clients, a lot of our kind of ongoing activity is it's all slightly different because clients see success within their audiences in slightly different ways. Some people that's on LinkedIn and Twitter and a lot of effort goes on there. Some people don't have a Twitter account and actually want to go all in on their newsletter because that drives the most success for them. Some people just want to do webinars and that's absolutely fine. And I think it's just finding that drumbeat that balances effectiveness and capacity and kind of just building up from there, which I hope answers the question. Yeah, definitely. Mate. And, and I think it you know talks a lot about what we see with our clients, what I, you know, I touched on in the the webinar that I said we we released as the last episode, and you know I think that's partly why I thought this would be a really good chance to to put some color on that because I think when I'm presenting as a webinar, it can be very easy to think that's a you know that's a sales pitch or that's a perfect world, and I think what you've just said you know is that really nice sort of counterbalance to sometimes that sort of headline messaging of actually you know you just do the basics and. Yeah actually your point around finding what works because you're right you know some of our clients and i just think about the ones you work with you know we've got ones where it is the newsletter they love it works it delivers leads that's what we focus we've got some you know to your point one client doing two webinars a month you know for some actually quarterly like you said earlier is right for some they're like this works so well and i guess the other piece of that puzzle is it works really well for their team because that's as we both know, some clients hate webinars and, and just their team don't enjoy doing them. Some clients love them. And it, it's the same with all, isn't it? It's that balance of what works to deliver results, but also what works for you. Because no one's going to do anything for the long term. They hate. Yeah, completely agree. And also just on that as well, it's, and again, it sounds like I'm I'm sort of oversimplifying, you know, marketing and marketing success. And I'm not, it's, it's more just that insight of really focusing on the things that mean success to you because I think also there's a tendency particularly from like a reporting perspective you know let's take LinkedIn for example of let's measure everything so follower growth engagement rate you know quantity of everything and everything not everything is going to be relevant to measure success about and I think actually really thinking about what success looks like from marketing and working backwards from there I think is really important and actually as as a kind of trend that I'm moving some of my clients towards is look, you've got all of these things that you could measure. Yeah, I'm kind of, kind of moving on to reporting now, but all of these things that you can you can measure, but what is it actually that you're going to look at on a monthly basis and think we're, our marketing is working for us? And actually, usually that comes down to about five things, which is, you know, it depends by, by channel, but actually that principle you can apply to the activity as well. You can do anything and everything in marketing, but actually identifying what are those three, four, five things that are really going to drive results for you and focusing on that is a great starting point and really don't be afraid of simplifying marketing obviously no one wants simple and ineffective the whole idea of stripping back marketing and, and kind of activity is to make it simple but effective and building up from there there's a really interesting piece in that and i think it's it's exactly what you're talking about and also for anyone listening i think it's often the thing that's forgotten is you need to balance excitement with I guess the energy of the team and and we've seen it and you know we have a lot of clients who come to us because this is the cycle they've gone through where they do a big flurry and then the team get burnt out or, you know everyone's a bit jaded I, I always and it's probably a little cliche but I always think of the kind of exercise analogy of we've all done it you say I'm going to get in shape and you smash running and going to the gym like every day for two weeks and then you go I'm done now and actually then you you forget it whereas that little and often as you say, with marketing, we're better off and we do this with clients. You know, we'll do something that maybe you could go faster, but your team are bought in, engaged, they're supporting it. And I think that's the thing that so often is overlooked is whether it's a marketing agency like us, whether it's, you know, you hire an in-house marketing manager, 
they are marketing. Otherwise, they would be consultants. And so your team are the limiting factor and you need to respect that. Otherwise, you burn everyone out. So I think it's just, yeah, reinforcing that that point you highlighted. I want to just, because I'm mindful of time and I know we've both got meetings coming up. I think there was just probably one last bit to touch on and more just because you mentioned it earlier around when we were talking about events and you know taking culture videos. I think that's something we're seeing a lot more from our clients. And I, I'd just love to get your take on sort of what's driving that and actually how some of the things we've talked about and, and some of that digital marketing can can help with reinforcing that culture and supporting that side of, of marketing. So I think it's something often that's overlooked. Yeah, agree. I think a lot of my clients at the moment are having similar challenges from a recruitment perspective and are starting to see how digital marketing can really help them do that. So again, it's a similar principle to everything else we've spoken about, which is there would have been ways that clients were recruiting previously that were working for them. And now those channels aren't necessarily delivering what they need them to do. And I'm not saying digital marketing is the answer to everything, but it's in it's another channel that people are looking to to help solve lots of challenges, recruitment being one. And then I think for me, it's looking at it from the potential you know, new team members perspective. What is it that they're now looking for in a organization to join? Um, how has that shifted? And I think no longer is it huge salary and you know that that's obviously part of it but actually what is the culture of that organization that they're joining how do they treat their people what sort of progression opportunities are there and bringing that out in digital content to attract the right people is something that we're encouraging a lot of clients to do it's not just potential clients that are on linkedin or on your newsletter database it's potential recruits creating a content strategy for them is really important and you know Company culture is a big part of that. It's pretty much the buzzword of what everyone is looking for at their next role at the moment. So if you are doing a cocktail event for your potential clients or your team, take photos of it, include it in your LinkedIn content plan when you're next talking about a, a vacancy that you've got. You know, if you've got a team or you know, an individual that's been promoted internally, don't just keep it internal, talk, shout about it, show people what progression opportunities are there. That could be simple graphic, could be video, whatever it might be. That kind of content, you know, there's a hesitancy. I was with a client the other day and they said, well, I just never thought about that's the sort of thing that people would be interested in in seeing, you know, on LinkedIn. And it really is, you know, that's the stuff that we see perform well is people-focused content. And it can be anything. It can be a clip from a webinar of somebody talking. It's a, it's a face, it's a person. That, that does really well. And actually the people behind an organization that you're potentially looking to join is really attractive from a recruitment perspective. So kind of not being afraid to showcase the people behind the business online and kind of putting a recruitment spin on it is something that we are seeing real success with at the moment and how digital marketing can help a sort of recruitment challenge or solve a recruitment challenge. So I think it's really important and something that we're, we're, we're seeing a lot of at the moment. And I think a lot of clients are, see, are having that challenge, particularly because we're early in the year, January, February, everyone kind of, that's a, a peak kind of recruitment moment is when people tend to shift jobs and move around or think about fresh starts and you know you, we may have you know if you're not already doing it i'm not saying you've missed the boat this year but plan for it next year and make a real thing of it and use your event schedule this year to capture those things and and really kind of think about ways to showcase culture for a recruitment push next year or, or whatever that might be so yeah i think that's that's it's another trend that we're seeing and a challenge that we're seeing across a lot of a lot of clients at the moment. I think your point is interesting hearing about that, that client conversation because I, I think you're right. I think there is in our industry that concern of, you know, will almost will I look a bit unprofessional posting that? And I think it is quite counterintuitive because actually 
almost it's not the reverse but it shows that side that people do value and you know, a lot of our clients a lot of other f- consultancies sort of in the market have won great awards for their culture and you know how they treat their people and actually externalizing that because i think like you said it's no longer just salary because there's so many consultancies i think the other thing is three years ago you could have an office that did that so i remember going to one firm where the office had you know pool table beers all that stuff which which shows culture now actually there's a big push to remote flexible you need to be online and i i I think that's a big thing i mean to bring it to life as well to your point around our clients like there was one client i know recruiting where all of the people they spoke to mentioned the culture as they saw it on linkedin that's the shop window and being able to show that through those same events we talked about i think it's a great idea and can only help you and to the ROI point, you know, if you can get a direct recruit, and we've seen this happen with other clients where you know you haven't had to pay a recruiter, that 20% is, and particularly on some consulting salaries, is a lot of money. And that's, a, I think, the other angle that often gets forgotten is re- marketing, yes, gives you ROI in terms of projects in, but it also can save you money in terms of cash out. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I think so. Just again, that I think the way you kind of mentioned it there around is this unprofessional to put online and i think that will that will be a hesitation for many people listening because of the kind of industries that they probably work in and clients they work with and i'm not saying you have to take a photo of someone necking a pint and put it online and say look how much fun we have so you might have just started a tiktok challenge there maybe (laughs) but actually if you're in a you know kickoff workshop with a client grab a photo post it on LinkedIn, tag them in it. And it's how you work with your clients as well as what you do as a business. And I think that was something, again, that came out of that same session last week. Client said to me, so if we went into a kickoff session with a client, you know, as a sort of workshop, are we allowed to take a photo of that and post it online? I was like, you can do what you want. Like, if that's what you want to do. Obviously check with the client first. Yeah, of course. But as in, I think if that represents how you as a business work with your clients and you want to capture that and talk about it, absolutely do i think it's a it's a good opportunity to kind of you know pull back the curtain a little bit and as someone like you're saying if if some people are looking for different things from their next role and actually yes the kind of you know having fun is part of it but how do they work with their clients how do they do business is another one and actually if there's a particular way that you do it if you have workshops and you've got sticky notes up on the wall and that's how you do everything with your client capture that moment and talk about it in in a way that gets people excited and I think that's that's perfectly you know it's fair game and I think you're right there's that hesitation of everything we have to put out on LinkedIn is formal it has to be you know you know an opinion or ground it can just be personable and, and show a bit of character and personality and that will, will land just as well if not better if we're thinking just about metrics but let's not do it. it it's it's just as good and I think kind of overcoming that mental block of should I should not put this online like you say Obviously, you should probably ask the right people whether they're happy to be featured in the post, but it's good. It's good content and it showcases. It's another avenue and another way that digital marketing can help solve challenges. Yeah, and no, I like that, mate. And I think it's it comes back to the point earlier around the basics and that drumbeat as well of sometimes, you know, we've all been guilty of overthinking that one post and putting too much weight on it. And actually, particularly things like that, they, you know, it's a crude name of that throwaway content where it is, you know, Today I had a you know, had a great meeting. Just had a great coffee with so and so. Actually, just those those little things, and you know, we we don't have time to go into sort of all of those tips and tricks of how to sort of maximize what you're doing on LinkedIn. But that point of don't overthink this stuff. Put it out. You know, I think the term thought leadership has a lot to answer for because it makes people think they have to like say have that Isaac Newton style thought before you can talk. And actually, I always think good thought and in this case fun thought trumps new thought every time. You know, a few posts about 
your meetings, your new clients, your culture, the fact, you know, you're, you're at a team lunch because you're celebrating someone's birthday. That's what draws people in from a recruitment perspective. I'm conscious of time, mate, and I think we're we're pretty much there. I know, you know if we wanted, we could keep talking and, and we'll see how this does. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let Dan and I know because we're happy to do more of them. We want to mix up what we do with Climate Consulting. For regular listeners, interviews aren't going anywhere, so they will very much still be a core part, but really keen to mix that up as we, we come back. But I guess just to finish us off there, Dan, and sort of close, we've covered a lot of ground today. Put you on the spot a bit. If there's one thing in everything we've talked about you could leave our listeners with, you know, anyone who's sort of on the train or they're driving home right now, they've enjoyed this, they want to go and work on their digital marketing or just their marketing. You know, what we do, like you say, is, is a core part of that. But events, for instance, is, is something we're looking at with others is what's the one thing that we've talked about that they should take? You know, if there's one thing they did, what is that thing they should should go and do or take away from this? I thought you'd be putting me on the spot, but the answers popped into my head quite quickly. So maybe that's the thing to <laughs> Why go I for. ask a long question to give you time to think? Yeah. I think it's that guiding principle for everything. And I've mentioned it completely unintentionally a few times, which is it doesn't need to be on or off. It's not physical or digital. We're in a space now where those two things will and have to come together and it's finding the right time to do that. So if you're planning your next physical event, I'm not going to tell you not to, but what I'll tell you to do is spot opportunities to leverage it for digital success. So we've spoken about how to do that, but that'd be the one thing. It's not on or off. It's a hybrid. Oh, no, I finished with a cliche. Love that, Dan. Well, I think that is the quote of the podcast. So why don't we call it there, mate? Thank you very much for your time. Really enjoyed that. And yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Climbing Consulting. If you have any guest recommendations, comments, ideas, thoughts on how I can make this show better for you, just drop me an email. It's nick at createengage.co.uk. And I really look forward to hearing from you.